welcome to the Posters in Every Direction podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Mike. And I'm Erica. And on this show, we discuss concert posters, music with a heavy emphasis on the Dave Matthews Band, artists, and the community of poster and merch collecting. So whether you are new to this hobby or a seasoned professional, we invite you to come and relax now and join us in the space between music and art. This is episode number 35 of the Posters in Every Direction podcast, entitled Take What You Can From Your Dreams. This is going to be a little bit of a casual conversation with Erica and I, focusing around the uh, fan-made artwork and merchandise that surrounds, it's kind of poster adjacent, mm-hmm. if you will. It surrounds bands, uh, musical acts. And the fans that love the music. That's right. Yeah, this this type of thing, I think, um, is an important part of the culture. It's not often discussed or have a deep dive into it. We've got some different pieces that we could take deep dives, but really we want to keep this kind of high-level, casual conversation just around like the the fan-made artwork, fan-made merch that um, that is sort of a celebration, I think. like Absolutely. It's, it's an artistic expression in and of itself. I think if you're a fan of music, be it the Grateful Dead or the Dave Matthews Band or Fish or Goose, right. it goes on and on, um, and you take that passion as a part of your own artistic expression and, you know, make a hobby or make a living out yeah. of expressing yourself and how the music kind of makes you feel and what you identify with. It's, it's a really interesting kind of uh, derivative of, of the musical industry. It's a lot of fun. Also, as someone who's not super artistically inclined, I have some skills. You're artistically inclined. Don't be modest. I have some skills, but when we look at the creative community now, as opposed to maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago where this fan-made merch world, you know, lived sort of in an underbelly. We used to call it, what, bootleg? Yeah, I think, you know. Unauthorized. Unauthorized bootleg. There is there is a legal component here, right, around trademark and copyright or intellectual property. And In, insert lawyer Mike. I, <laughs> lawyer Mike <laughs> is not going to make an appearance. I don't really want to go down that road. Yeah. Because honestly, um, you know, while I have experience in trademark law, uh, and, and copyright law, I don't, I don't feel like these things that that occur, right? right um, these fan made pieces yeah. are are done with the same type of intent, yep, uh, or uh, effort for confusion of a brand or a logo, mm-hmm. and you know, I think you also have to look at it sort of in relation to the industry and like the claimant okay so i am getting a little bit lawyer mike oh we can talk about the culture of like where it's come from and stuff (laughs) like that too but the the point is like let's just take the grateful dead or dave (laughs) matthews band for example right both have trademarkable logos right copyright phraseologies around their songs around Mm -hmm. the titles of the song but both of these bands kind of made their comeuppance if you will through sort of the free trade of music tapes. And, and tapes and absolutely the name of the band the brand of yeah, the band absolutely. right and so i think it's a really difficult proposition mm-hmm. for a band to then say it's not fair when fans go and and make our uh 
artwork related to our music without our permission. It's mm -hmm. it's a delicate balance. Yeah, right? and I would I say can that understand why the bands want to protect their imagery, their their intellectual property, yeah. and if other people are going to profit off of that, why? And it's not really the band. Let's be honest; it's the band's management sure. and attorneys who might have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. That's all done in an effort to protect the intellectual property. Yeah. So like I said, I can see it from both sides. It's mm -hmm. a balance. That's all the legality I really <laughs> want to talk about. What I really want to talk about here is almost contrary to the sort of legality, which is that there are true fans, dedicated uh, people that have passion and yeah. love for the music, for the artistry, for the bands. And then I think from that passion, they get this natural expression of their own interpretation. Absolutely. Of the music. Of how it makes them feel, how they see it, the visualization of like their energetic experience for sure. I mean, that's right. so I think what you're, you know, talking about on the legal kind of side and, and the, then the gray area. Right. But I wanted to do a little bit of some digging to find sort of some historical information. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where did, at least from what your research showed, where did sort of fan-made yeah. merchandise sort of kind of kick off? So in the jam band world, and I, I didn't look at any other musical um, genres, but I think for those in the jam band world know of the Grateful Dead, possibly. I would hope so. I would they hope you would know of the Dead. I've heard of them. Heard of them. If Great. not, there's the small band. Yes, it's he's you know, up and up and coming <laughs> indie indie jam band called the Grateful Dead, um, you know, and one would say that they are the the founding father of of jam band music. That's fair, and I think that for those who are fans of the Grateful Dead, um, either your parents were followed them, introduced you to them as a as a you know youngin. Um, you might be also familiar with the idea and the concept of the Shakedown Street. So Shakedown Street was actually a Grateful Dead song. Okay. And they first played this song August 31st, I believe, 1978. It's a great year. It's a good year. The year of the year, year of Mike Berger's birth. That's right. <laughs> I'm a 78 baby. And they played this song called Shakedown Street at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Red Rocks, Colorado. Red Rocks. One of the sort of most the iconic. Bucket list location for me to go locations, see somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Across the U.S. I mean, if you had to pick five or. or That's my number one bucket list location. There you go. So. You, you heard it here, folks. Red Rocks. <laughs> um, so they played this song, Shakedown Street. And, and if you go and look at the lyrics of Shakedown Street, ultimately it's sort of about the dead's. Talk, the you know Jerry Garcia they're singing the Grateful Dead's talking about how sort of these real sultry and unsurly areas of town where the cops come and try to shake you down and instead to kind of get up get up on your feet and keep moving and grooving kind of thing um, and so starting in like the late 1980s for for those kids that's the 1900s and but 1980s is where the fans started to create effectively these parking lot shakedown streets where they yep. would be selling food and beverages and fan-made merchandise and art and jewelry clothing and it became a a thing now right. we neither you or i have gotten to experience a true shakedown but we have some friends who have gone to the dead and and have got to experience it um we recently went to goosemas 
And also in the Goose community, there was a, a small version yeah, yeah, it was of more, their shakedown. I think it was more than I'd ever really seen. I mean, yeah, trying to think. I, I was at the Tibetan Freedom Concert in like 1998, I think it was, 97, okay. 98, somewhere around there. And there was a fairly large sort of shakedown city of tents outside of what was then RFK Stadium in Washington, yeah. D.C. But, you know, the 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 setup at Goosemas was pretty, for me, it was yeah. pretty sizable. There were a number of tents. There were a number of tents and people who were, you know, selling their wares. There was this awesome dude in an old Volkswagen van. Mm-hmm. And he had tie-dye t-shirts um, and a variety of items. And then there were people who were grilling some foods and hot dogs and people who were doing, uh, there was a person who did like the burnt uh, wood artwork and stuff like that. That was really cool. Yep. Um, and it was really neat. And, and from what I understand, a lot of people fund their travels and they fund their shows by selling things at the show. Right. So ultimately, this money just comes back. It just goes right back bands. into the band. So it's probably why they don't enforce anything because it's like, well. Well, your mileage varies, right? Like, we just, not too long ago, I think it was the second time we watched this, but we watched the, the Elvis Presley movie. Yes. on streaming that you can yeah. find out there in the ether streaming yeah, and great. that was pretty heavily focused on the management side of elvis presley and sort of lack of a better term the corruption or the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his manager and i'm i'm not passing judgment here this is just what i interpreted as a viewer i don't know the actual history there but it does you know it does resonate because i remember you know family members friends or whatnot being uh heavily into like the collecting the Elvis merchandise, like the plates, the, oh, the yeah. China plates or the things. And, you know, I remember uh, QVC being on in my house as a kid, like, and they'd have like the Elvis special and all of the memorabilia they have around oh, Elvis. Yeah. And that, of course, ties back at this point to his estate. But I mean, yeah. it, it all goes to the actual artist or or heir of the artist. Yeah. Um, I think they were probably pretty anti uh, fan-made merch is would be my guess. Or, I'm sure there's some, yeah, merch. and I'm sure there's um, a lot of artists and labels and industries that, again, will go after people. Right. But what we and wanted I, to kind of focus on is is the joy and the creativity, right? And the unique things that you'll find that are not wholly blessed. Well, and I think there's an important <laughs> distinction not not blessed, here, right? I think. Bootleg merchandise mm-hmm. is different from is. fan-made Fan merch. I think that we have to make that distinction. I, I, I to, like this is yes. my own working theory as we're yeah. talking this out. But like the guys in New York City selling tie-dyed versions of Dave Matthews Band T-shirts, unmasks right in mm-hmm. large quantities. Yes, probably not exactly the same thing. Correct as. A fan that's inspired by the Dave Matthews, Tim Reynolds event coming up in Mexico. Right. That feels like this is sacred ground that we go there with our family, our friends, and we spend three days in the sand. And out of that feeling makes a poster around the fire dancer in sort of a stained glass church window that I may or may not be looking at in front of me. <laughs> um Done it's by an excellent artist and very good friend. Mountains and oceans and winters uh, and rivers shout out, and stars. Shout out to Chris. But like 
that to me is not bootleg merchandise. Definitely that is not. It's fan unique made and it's unique, creative. Art. Yeah, I actually think back to I um, saw and it's it's funny. Uh, y'all have heard our episode with Luke Martin. Luke is one of our favorite artists and pretty um, extensive catalog mm-hmm. of some really phenomenal pieces. Right, and he has actually been now on a hunt for bootleg. And now he's calling them bootleg, which right. are just direct ripoffs of his art and printed on random things like a shirt. Yeah, they're that's taking, an awful version. You they're know. taking literally his art. Absolutely. The yes, the image. Like, yep. in, in total, right? Yep. Not inspired by, like Correct. just lifting it. Yep. And then printing it on polyester and selling it on Correct. Amazon or whatnot. Right. Timu. You know, yeah, Timu as like a polyester <laughs> right. jumpsuit. Yep. And he yeah. actually got one of these and was wearing it. Yes. It was hilarious. It's, it is. And, you know, I think um, there is that fine line. And I think you made that distinction very, very clear is we're talking about fan art inspired creations. Right. That, again, use the music, the bands we love, maybe some lyrics that we love, and then they create something wholly new from it. Right. And we're really, you know, lucky to live in a world, I think, where we have access to all the kind of stuff that you could possibly think of because of the magical Al Gore's internet. That's right. The, <laughs> so the internet has brought us closer yes. together, maybe driven us farther apart as well. It's debatable, yeah. but certainly access is at an all-time high. For you know, sure. Like, I think I've told this story on the podcast before that just around music, I used to drive and meet people in, like, the parking lot at Wawa <laughs> in College Park, Maryland to yeah. trade tapes tapes of Dave Matthews Band because yeah. that was part of the culture. It was part of the hobby to find music that you hadn't heard before. Yeah. Live. Through tapings. building relationships with other fans and then, you know, meeting them through introduction. A lot of times it was just an email or message boards. You know, yeah. Message boards. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, hey, let's meet up and swap tapes. Now, you know, music is sort of readily accessible in a variety of ways. So that that has sort of died down but Mm -hmm. i think the fan community has evolved and adapted there you know we're seeing some things come out like projects where they're um you know refurbishing old recordings and bringing them up to speed to modern standards and it's really getting high quality out of it i love that we're able to utilize technology then to go back um y'all probably if you listen to us you probably are familiar with the infamous YouTuber Copperpot. Copperpot. Copperpot finds these gems of old recordings, videos, maybe videos from different angles of of shows from like, you know, even like in the 90s. Right. And puts them up on YouTube and maybe puts them and edits them together in a way that takes clean audio and then puts visuals with it. I mean, it's so freaking cool to be able to go back and and find a clip of something you found you uh, the other day this is not even that old the gorge you found a number 34 with lyrics yeah you're watching from 2013 i think it was yeah i mean we're talking you know what is that 11 oh, years ago yep with and very high quality right still Available high quality on the youtubes yeah um and you know you there could be an argument out there like for instance again not to pick on an artist but i don't think you see a whole lot of taylor swift concert record you see maybe some little you know yeah, clips here and there but like not a, a full bit. show yeah she's got her stuff on um, lockdown yeah it's on lockdown right and mm-hmm. and i understand that from a name image likeness nil kind yeah. of law perspective and the copyright of the music etc but yeah at least in the jam band scene and with the culture that is 
developed around uh, Grateful Dead and Dave Matthews Band and um, Fish, other bands. There has been this sort of free flow of the music and exchange mm-hmm. music. Um, and I think it dovetails into this sort of culture to be inspired by the works and then create mm-hmm. and then exchange those creations. Now, some of them are sold and, you know, somebody makes a little bit of scroll off it here and there yeah. and helps fund their tour or whatnot. I think that's all well and good. Like, yeah. frankly, I mean, some of these things, the way they're done, they're very clever, you know, like in the enamel pin game or in the poster game. Like I, I've seen a poster or a few of them that were created at one point for different Dave Matthews band songs. There was a don't drink the water. There was a bartender. Like they were very creative. They were sold in full color or black and white. So you can make it like a coloring book exercise for yourself. Um, but those are inspired pieces by mm-hmm. the song. Yeah. Really difficult to go and say, you know, you've infringed on the intellectual right. property of the band there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think mileage varies as to whether fans are exchanging, sort of swapping, giving these things away. Yeah. Or whether they're selling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not here really to pass judgment on either of those. But yeah. like we're getting ready to go. Eric and I have talked openly about it on the podcast. We're getting ready to go on our uh, annual pilgrimage down to Dave and Tim, Mexico. So excited. Um, really Three excited more sleeps. To- to meet some of the listeners uh we've had some reach out and maybe do a little bit of recording while we're waiting in line for posters uh, this is again the posters in every direction that's podcast. correct and so who would we be if we weren't waiting in line for posters right <laughs> uh, but what's really big at an event like that where it's a multi-day scene is is the swapping of merchandise oh yeah right? and you've got five six thousand people coming yep and and going to engage and hang out and spend time with one another and actually what's interesting about the swag swap in mexico you know we went year the first year we went was in 2022 that was our first dave and tim mexico and i was not really plugged into i was not on facebook i was not plugged into any type of community i didn't really know what to expect we had a few friends that we knew who had gone in the past but we really didn't we we sort of like just went my just you and me yep didn't know anyone and just showed up there and learned that there is an entire super fun joyful swag thing that happens where people pass mostly it was the silicone bracelets yep that i would say is number one that's probably. number one and when we first got there we talked about this i think on the last episode where um mike got his first bracelet from from our dear buddy sean yep Sean and Alyssa. Yeah. And um, it just like connects you. Now, fast forward, okay, year two, we were like definitely going to do some swag, got our bracelets, and and um, I made some little beaded bracelets with songs, kind of up the ante, mm-hmm. but was not on the internet, was not on Facebook, did not have our podcast up and running yet at that point in time. That it was, was in development. In development later in the year. And then this year, I somehow got plugged into the Facebook groups now. And when I tell you the creativity of people, and these are swag to to share, to gift. These are not for selling. Yeah, it's like Halloween for adults. It's like it, trick-or-treating. It's, it's like if Halloween, I don't even know. It's like Shakedown Street, but everything's free, right. and you just swap. And and it's not even trading. This is the other thing. People are like, I don't have, I don't have swag. I'm not bringing it. Everybody gets. It is when you give, you you begin to live mentality. This is... You don't have to bring something to trade. This yeah. is, we are here to share our love for this band, 
for being with one another. Let's bring some fun things. And then it's like Halloween on fleek for adults. Yeah. And I think it's a really important distinction because there's something here that happens that really kind of transcends currency, Mm -hmm. right? Or it transcends like the dollar value. Right. The value of this exchange, right? Whether you've made silicone bracelets or you've made stickers or a poster poster. or poker chips or guitar picks or whatever it is, right? Bracelets, handmade. I mean, all saleable items, right? You probably could sell for a couple bucks here or there. I've even seen bundles of the silicone bracelets later like being sold on ebay right um but (laughs) gotta get rid of them yeah i mean there's there's a market for everything and it is ebay but um this there is something i think eric said it's just really beautiful about sort of the human condition the openness and willingness to share and really be part of a community that exchanges small tokens of appreciation and gifts to one another in celebration of this overall event, right? And this isn't just Mexico. This happens at we've Gorge. seen it, yeah. It happens at you know any really multi-day event that we've been to, right? Um, and I think it happens at one-offs too, to a lesser degree during during the tour season. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have people that are following the band kind of around the country, whether it's Dave Matthews or Goose or whomever, um, and they probably make swag and take it with them, stop to stop. Others make things that are venue specific. Right. So like a couple of years ago, Eric and I, we took our kids. We tried to go to West Palm Beach for Dave Matthews Band. We made some specific Dave Matthews Band West Palm Beach silicone bracelets. We did. Themed. Right. Uh, No copyright infringement at all. Just for the record. Um, But we got to West Palm Beach. We exchanged some. And then unfortunately, Dave came down with COVID. And so the shows were canceled. We're hoping to. To rectify that this year. This is our redemption to, redemption tour. Right. <laughs> travel to West Palm Beach and, and share that with our kids. That's right. Um, but again, being that it's a two-day stand down there, right, or like two days at SPAC or two yeah. days at Alpine Valley, I think these venues give a lot of well, opportunity for the exchange. I think it's become a little bit more commonplace now. And I think there are people who love to do it. And I honestly, the reason why is it's for connection. I think ultimately what it's about is it's like I've made something from my heart to share with the people around me. And when we come home and we've got a bunch of bracelets or stickers or pins or posters or whatever it happens to be that we've picked up along our travels, it's not just, oh, I got this bracelet. It's, oh, I met so-and-so. So-and-so gave me this bracelet. And that's the other piece that I love the most about the swag piece um, as we're kind of touring, um, we were at Goosemas and I will say that while there was the shakedown for, you know, kind of purchase, there was less of the sharing of the swag type things inside. But when I went to the bathroom, somebody had left an entire, like several handfuls of those, their hair ties. They're like the fabric hair ties yep. and it had goose written on it with a little heart. And I grabbed one for each of the ladies. Cause sorry guys, they were hair ties. Right. Um, but I grabbed one for each of the ladies and our friend Trisha was just at the acoustic Arebolo shows and she sent a message and she was wearing it. And she was like, I have my little bracelet from, from our goose miss time. That's, awesome. That's what it's about. It's about the memory and the connection and the joy that that brings. Yep. I think it ties in exactly to the fan made art and the fan made merchandise, because again, it's a similar feeling of, well, I ordered this t-shirt so that I could wear it to Charlottesville. 
Right. And now I have that t-shirt and every time I wear it, it reminds me of our trip to Charlottesville. Yep. And, you know, shout out to our friends, Tim and Christy. They, they made shirts like that for our West Palm Beach trip. That, they did. That happened. The trip happened. The concerts didn't. But they, you know, all the family's names on there and our kids still to this day wear those shirts. Yep, we still wear them. And, yeah. Um, it's really a, a neat kind of piece of nostalgia that takes mm-hmm. you back. Yep. Well, and I think um, staying on the theme of Dave and Tim, um, there is a jeweler who resides down in Mexico. And Javier. 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 And Javier is a just a wonderful human being. And he makes a living, I believe, on fan-made jewelry. Right. Fan-based jewelry, not just for the Dave Matthews band. He's there for Dead & Co. He's there for Fish. And I think, you know, when we went down there that first, I think it was our first year, um, we had a friend who knew of him and was meeting up with him. And I got this beautiful necklace that I still to this day, I wear regularly. Yep. And I'm excited because I've seen him have some new pieces that I'm excited to get while we're down in Mexico. Yep. You know, that's the other side of it, whereas there are people who are making an entire living yeah, as can. creators, not just not just band merch type stuff, because you can see other I've seen creators who make non band related, beautiful things. So, you know, it's a part of maybe it's just a part of their uh, repertoire, the right. product line, so to speak. But, you know, you'll see something and you immediately are like, that is something I need to have. That's something I want to get. Um, we now, you know, on the posters page, I follow a lot of different artists and artist makers. And we get, you know, people who who follow us and I'll go check out their page. And there was a, a young person named Cortez Art, Draws mm-hmm. Art. I have to look up the exact page and I'll post it for you guys. But um, he recently did a fan art for a goose song. Yeah. And it is Mike's, is it your I favorite? Think it's my favorite goose song, song, Silver Rising. Silver Rising. Yeah. And um, he had drawn some beautiful fan made art and then put up posters for sale. Yeah. So, of course, I got a foil because right. that's, that's what we do. Foil. And uh, came in the mail the other day and it's stunning. Y'all might have seen a little sneak peek on the Instagram. But it's really wonderful for me to even think about, well, that's a beautiful song. I love that piece of art. It's really cool. But now I'm supporting an artist. Yes. And I think that artist then maybe gets the attention of the band and the management and maybe someday could do an official. Right. And and even if not, and even right, if not it's he's joy. putting art out there that's inspired by a passion he has mm-hmm. for a particular song. Yep. And then somebody may come across that and say, oh, what is Silver Rising? Because it's not like an... Correct. album recorded song of the band it's a live tune mm-hmm. and then you have to take a little deeper dive down to some of the live tracks that goose has released and find silver rising and then that gets them plays it gets them exposure it helps the mm-hmm. band grow in this sort of grassroots very organic way, way. Right? or organic right. way that jam bands grow absolutely so it serves many purposes but it's also just to me it's just really impressive that you have people that are creatives and they get inspired to the level of I'm going to put the time and the effort and the energy into making this piece of artwork and the money right now, what they do later with it, whether they sell it or trade it, different discussion, Mm -hmm. but just the fact, you know, that they took their own personal creative, whether it's hobby or outlet time or whatever, and that that's where they channeled and focus the, uh, the art it's it's impressive yeah it's really fun and it's it's a 
joyful thing. But I think if I really just boil it down to what I said earlier, it's about connecting with other people who are like you, like you, that they like the same things. They like the same music. They like the same band. And, you know, maybe not everybody loves Silver Rising as a song. I We love that song. We love that song. And so now having a dedicated, beautiful artistic expression of it mm-hmm. i mean it's so cool and it's and it's got little easter eggs in it as well i love finding those easter eggs well and that's kind of the if you know you know right if you, know, you, you see know. it and you're like oh i get what you did there it resonates with me because i've shared that experience yeah right if it's i don't know goose from fish right and i don't know any of their songs then you pass that that piece of art and mm-hmm. it doesn't impact you in the same way yep but it is a little bit almost like being a part of a club or having like a secret knock or a secret code. <laughs> that's like, I see what you did there, right? Mm-hmm. I know Silver Rising. I know this is a song that de- deals with a werewolf. And that's the centerpiece in your, your artwork and yeah. Howling at the Moon. And, you know, that's a big part of that song. And yep. So it's it, it's that type of Easter eggy scavenger hunt, secret code, secret knock, <laughs> secret handshake a kind fav- of feeling. My favorite part, and you guys have to go see it, and I'll share the poster on the in- and the Instagram and the Facebook. Uh, but the werewolf is wearing these yellow Converse sneakers. Right. And Rick, who is the lead singer of Goose, one of the main lead guys, uh, he generally, he has a favorite pair of sneakers and they're these like yellow high top Converse. Right. And it's so cool because the detail is there. We know that those are Rick's shoes, but also they've been sort of werewolf werewolfed out, so to speak, like the toes have blown out right. with the werewolf claws. And it's just, it's really creative and fun and it actually is what sparked us this idea to have this conversation about fan-made art you know we've talked a lot about danny steinman and his pins in the past and i believe from from what we've heard is danny got his start shakedown street yeah and Big I, deadhead I, mean, I think he started with prints or drawings or yeah. uh posters small posters mm-hmm. that he made yeah he's <clears throat> sort of transcended and you know, moved into these enamel pins that he's hit a real sweet spot. Yeah. Um, I see the enamel pin community as almost like, you know, right alongside sidecar or, or subculture of the poster collecting community. Yeah. I've said this before. Like, if you collect pins, I think you probably also collect posters. But there's probably a lot of poster collectors out there that are not yet pin collectors. Right. Um, I, and I don't exactly know why that is, but that's just my observation generally. Well, I um, think it, it probably comes down to time, energy, and money. Like yeah. where can you spend your your time and your energy? And then and ultimately pins are not inexpensive. They can be, you know. Um, and we've, then we've got like, you know. Uh, Everly Rain, Everly Bonnie's Rain, Bonnie, group. Bonnie yeah, a great monthly kind of subscription package. Yep. Again, these are all inspired, inspired by the band. Absolutely. Um, and they're very clever in the way that they're done, right? Like mm-hmm. ways that pay tribute to the band or homage without really oh, yeah. crossing that line of like that we talked about. You yeah. Know, I think there's a real distinction between bootleg merchandise, things where you're, for lack of a better term, like ripping something unauthorized off. Yeah. Using the band's imagery or ripping something off. Yeah. And then inspired artwork mm-hmm. by creators oh, who yeah. have been inspired by the band. It, there's a line of distinction. There. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have to be very conscientious when I'm on, I, I don't spend a ton of time on Facebook, but generally I go and I log into these, groups just so that I can, you know, take a look at what people are making. Right. Um, and, and some sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I would want to buy all these things. Right. And and let me give you an example, right? Like 
there's obviously everybody knows of let's say Chuck Sperry, right? Who's an yeah. artist who does posters. Difficult to come by. There's lots of different things out there that just kind of rip off Chuck Sperry's work. They will just print unauthorized versions of yeah. the posters in various sizes that can be found. You know where to find them, people, right? You don't need me to tell you. Right. That, that, it's like bootleg to rip off. And if you're a true, like, a, somebody that appreciates the artwork and collects it or whatnot, that really doesn't do it for you. No. And most of the time, you're just going to keep on passing by, Correct. right? There might be some people who are duped in, unfortunately, yeah. to buying those things and thinking they're getting something authentic. That That's where it gets a little squirmy or slimy or mm-hmm. whatnot. But then you take, like, that same Chuck Sperry imagery, right, and somebody takes that piece of art and they're inspired by it and they make an enamel pin that's inspired by it somehow. It doesn't directly lift the image, right? Or but but it somehow pays a nod yeah. or a homage to it. Or they make a piece of jewelry that may you know pays a homage, uses the same colorways that are in that poster or something, or makes a reference to uh, you know, some feature of let's say harmonia or something like that. Like it could be clever, it can be artistic, it can be something that the eye of the artist picks up on mm-hmm. and then runs with it in a different medium. Well, and that's ultimately, I mean, you, you can think about it in musicality. When we hear the other we were listening something the other day and I was like, God, that sounds just like whatever uh, that House was. The yeah, we were we were watching Goose, uh well, the Arebolo shows, and it started off and I was like, This sounds just like it, they could be singing House of the Rising Sun. They went back into something else. And this is that conversation about Ed Sheeran and the lawsuit with the Marvin Gaye group and that like there are foundational sounds and and chords that are like the foundation and the basis for almost all music. And it's what you do with it that, you know, changes it and changes the sound and changes the rhythm and the and the the feeling and the tempo. And that's what makes it their own. It's not much different than an artist being inspired by something, whether it be music, another artist, um, the joy that it brings, a memory that, that was created at an event, things of that nature. And I just, I love that there's so much out there. And I'm also overwhelmed by that fact that there's so much out there. Yeah. But you can get anything made and done that you, your heart's desire. Yeah. And I think there's, there's another thing that I wanted to mention that we're in this era of technology and advancement with artificial intelligence, right. AI, right? And AI art is something that I think most artists who are working on gig posters, right? And people who work on band merch, right? Artists, uh, like friends of the podcast, like Aaron Von Freider, who we talked to about, you know, his artistry and his work on not just posters, but band merch for the Dave Matthews band. Um, I think most of the artist commentary I've seen um, are number one, against the AI creation of art. Number two, you know, dare I say that they're scared about it? I don't know if it's scared, but at least concerned sure. about what this does in diminishing artistry, as, not just to their livelihood, but as a culture, as Across a society. Across the board, correct. And so you look at something like that, right, that is almost like it's pretty hard to argue that that AI-created art is is not a, a, a bad thing, right? It's, it's hard to argue that it's not in some way uh, diminishing us as a culture, as a society. And so that's on one hand, mm-hmm. right? Where we have this threat, if you will, this sort of existential threat against artistry 
by AI created art. Then you have on this other hand, individuals who may not be making authorized use of banned lyrics or imagery or whatnot, but they're, <clears throat> but they're at least creating, right? They're taking things that inspire them. They're unique. They're, they're making a unique they're piece unique. of artwork right. that then is, you know, purposed for fans of the band, yeah. right? fans of the music. And no, so I think that that's very similar to how you were talking about before the distinction between something that's a bootleg, that's kind of a direct, you know, lift from something that's already been created versus inspiration right. and then unique output. That's right. And those are, those, that's what I'm, we're talking about here is that, you know, on the podcast and when we evaluate posters, a lot of the artists that we love, when we've talked about this, you're like, I can see this poster. I know that's Miles Sang's work because there is a, and I want to say there's like a, a unique voice. I know it's a piece of paper, so it's not like there, it's not auditory, but like there is a unique voice to the, to each artist. Right. And as they grow as artists, that sometimes shifts and changes a lot, but oftentimes there are telltale unique details that make it we know that this is a chuck sperry we know that this is a james flames art there are for us there's certain artists that i can see something i'm like i know exactly before i know who the artist is i know who the artist right. is. i think about our coffee mugs that oh yeah erica and i drink out of on the weekends that um were made by say love pottery a company called say love pottery you know found through the fan boards and Etsy yeah. and Instagram and whatnot. These are one-off pieces of yep, pottery, pottery, handmade, handmade artwork, right? That's With right. imagery inspired by on ours, the Dave yeah. Matthews band. Yep. Right. And so on one hand, somebody could get maybe bent out of shape by that. But on the other hand, that's, that's what I'm really trying to draw the distinction between and say, no one should get bent out of shape about that because it's a beautiful independent creative artistic expression that is enjoyed by fans of the band alongside all of the authorized things that we we acquire from the band directly i don't think and i think that's i don't know we'd have to understand maybe from the the merch perspective or the management perspective but i think that it enhances i agree what is provided I don't think it diminishes. It's not like someone's going to say, well, I can only buy a Dave Matthews authorized t-shirt or right. I can buy one off of this Etsy maker. Yeah. And just to compare. At least, at least I know I don't, right? I don't make that decision. It, it would be like the band saying you can only listen to live music that's released via the Dave Matthews band live tracks. Mm -hmm. Any other live music is strictly prohibited. Like it would be ridiculous. Like well, just, yeah. especially how they. The foundation grew, of right? how. The foundation. They, right. And, and that, I, I think deep down somewhere the band knows that. So I'm yeah. sure there's a balance between what they enforce and what they don't enforce. Right. I don't have specific knowledge as to that, but yeah. it's just sort of speculation. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard Dave Matthews talk about, and I'm trying, this always escapes me, but it comes to me when we start talking about things like this. <laughs> Is it called the autonomy of art or uh, the independence of art mm -hmm. or something like that? And it's this concept that like, once you write a song and then you play the song and record it and you put it out there in a the space, whether you've recorded it live or on an album, irrelevant. Once you've put it out there, 
it takes on a life of its own. It's no longer yours. It takes yeah. takes on a life of its own. I know exactly which right. one you're talking. I don't know if it was the the when they were talking about when the Lily White sessions got leaked. And that was maybe a different conversation, but it's similar in a sense of like that was out there. I think was it was talking. in the GQ interview and okay. he was talking about the song 41. I oh. think because people were asking me, he's like, I really don't know what that song's about. <laughs> I don't I know what it's about. somewhat joking, but it's hilarious. And what he's saying is he had this moment or this spark of creativity mm-hmm. and he put it out there. Or maybe he was talking about satellite. Either way, um, he put it out there and people have had different, different interpretations about where it stemmed from. And he said he always liked that concept that he said he found it, I think he said he found it liberating. You know, like sure. once you once sort it's of out release there it the out world. there in the world, it's no longer yours to control or what it means or how it impacts yeah. people. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, it is beautiful. And I think it translates to what the discussion we're having, you know, which is sort of the fan-made art, fan-made merchandise that I think to a degree, you know, Dave would kind of say, that's cool. Like, I'm glad people are that passionate about mm-hmm. what I do for a living, right. right? That I play these songs on an acoustic guitar yeah. and I've built this band and this sort of like, you know, rock and roll band who should be eligible for the rock and roll hall of fame. Go vote. If you 100%. haven't voted, make sure you're voting. Um, that the people care enough and are impacted enough to go out and, you know, be inspired and become artists themselves. If, if the proliferation of the art, if the art in it of itself is what can maybe bring somebody in to listen to the band. Yeah. I think that is sort of the ultimate win. Right. Um, you know, if you just think about, look, we went to, we got, we got really lucky. We got to go to Dead & Co. last summer. Mm-hmm. And Mike and I, you know, I never really thought I'd be able to see the dead in any iteration, um, let alone see it with John Mayer as the front man. And we, we've seen John Mayer years and years and yep. individually years ago when he was up and coming. Um, and, you know, to be able to experience that, but somebody gave me a pin. I have this little, little pin button thing. And again, I really didn't listen to a lot of dead music. I didn't really know much about it, but you know, I see that pin and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go listen to some, you know what? I haven't listened to some dead. I'm curious about it as somebody who just, again, doesn't really listen to it. Just like any other event that we would go to, um, we went and saw a band called Briscoe for my birthday last year. Didn't really know anything about it. Ironically, they were playing. I bought tickets, and then we saw that they were one of the openers for the Dave Matthews Band at the Gorge last year. So it's a little fortuitous of like, of course I would like that band, and of course they would be opening for my other my my favorite band. Yeah. Um, And we got to go see them, and you know they had various merch. We got a uh, actually got a record, an actual vinyl. Yeah. From them, and these are authorized pieces, but. You know, if we were at those events and someone handed me a bracelet or somebody right. gave me a sticker that they made because they were inspired by the band, that in addition to my purchase that was an authorized purchase, like those types of things, I think ultimately drive you to be like, let me go listen to that band. Right. Drives me to listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music, which just then kind of, pings the band and they get maybe their pennies from it or whatever kind of happens. It enhances to be. the experience. It does enhance the experience. And I think that that's what this does it enhances the experience and it's not just it's not just swag and it's not just something to give and it's not just something to buy but it's adjacent to the posters that we love and that give us mementos these are souvenirs and it's interaction with fans correct you know who become friends who become fam that's right um and i think you know to that point 
If you're a, a li- new listener or a longtime listener of the podcast, thank you for tuning in and riding alongside Eric and I with this journey. But, you know, share with us your experience. Have you, have you made merch yourself? Mm-hmm. Have you shared merch? Right. Or are you a recipient of merch? What are your thoughts on it? We'd love to know. You know, hit us up on socials or Absolutely. leave us a comment on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, we'll be happy to share with you our uh, fan-made merch our experience fan-made from merch. Mexico. That's right. Stay tuned. We're trying to uh, do a little bit of planning here to perhaps do some podcasting live from the Dave and Tim Mexico event in the coming week or so. So look forward to that as future content. And then... Beyond that, we've got some interesting interviews lined up yes. and more deep dives and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And again, just thank you all for tuning in. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, side conversation around fan-made art and merch and uh, keep an eye out on our socials. I will be sharing some details of uh, Mexico, where we'll be. We do have our own little get goody, goody gift uh, merch uh, swag, so to speak. And, um, you know, if you are going to be at Dave and Tim and are going to be maybe hanging out in the poster line, um, maybe you can come alongside and say hello and, uh, and drop a, drop us a little hello on the podcast. We'd love to, love to meet y'all there. Thanks so much. All right, guys. We'll see you soon.